a radio show that confesses Christ without confusing the law and the gospel. A radio show that takes scripture seriously without taking ourselves so seriously. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Now let's, yes, the answer is, if a song says the word God, it should be singing about Jesus. But the question here is Jesus mentioned by name or concept is that, is it, is it clear that the person that we're singing to is Jesus? You start to separate others. So I have more good works than that person. And so this is where pietism ends up that, uh, oh, I'm a better Christian because I have more good works than you. Our, our our evangelism program would basically be like a roast. <laughs> Welcome to this edition of Table Talk Radio, which we play Ask a Ninja Pastor. Uh, the moment everyone's been waiting for. Oh, uh, yeah. Pastor Jonathan Fisk will be on later in the program. So Yes, that'll uh, be fantastic. I'll bet you I wallop the dude. What are we going to do in the last segment of this program? <laughs> I, not, we'll figure it out when we get there. Don't you worry. <laughs> Plenty of yeah. time to figure things like that oh, out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, maybe talk about sanctification. Okay, that sounds like that sounds like a plan. <laughs> Write that down. Saint uh, S. Okay. <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, first, we're gonna do some buzzwords. We're gonna do some emails in this segment and uh, answer any question you've ever wanted to know from your favorite uh, Lutheran theological game show host. Man, I can't wait to play. We haven't had Fisk on this show in a long time. He was all bitter because he got walloped in uh, a <laughs> Iron what's Preacher called? last time. Yeah, Iron Preacher. Yeah, yeah. we well, got maybe, him back though. Maybe today will be I'll the day it. he redeems yeah, himself maybe. from we'll from. <laughs> then uh, I'm not going to take it easy on him. You're not, huh? Oh no. Oh. Well, I think I'm going to give him the easy questions and give you the hard questions. <laughs> we'll see. Okay. Uh, so my, what's your theological buzzword for me? Adiaphora. Adi adi off for free. <laughs> you know that? Adi adi off for free. Look That's at, what we the kids would, when we were doing a uh, hide and go seek. When we were doing the hide and go seek when we were kids, we would say, Adi adi off for free. When you were I don't even a kid, know exactly you what it means. Playing hide and go seek with saying the word adi offra? Or something like that. Weird. What's the other word that you would say? That's the only uh, thing I can think of. And adi offra is I a come. way. Ready or not, here I come. Here I come. Yeah. <laughs> we would say that. I think that's what in Latin means. Ready right oh. or not, here I come. Because adiaphora basically means uh, you can't tell me that whatever I want to do is wrong. Oh. So, yeah, Th- that makes more. That. No, I mean, that makes more sense how it's used at convention and stuff then. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. I mean, we might think if we were reading like the Book of Concord or studying what the word <laughs> actually meant, that it meant indifferent things. So a thing that's uh, neither commanded nor forbidden in the Scripture. Uh, so, uh, for example, um, uh, what color... The uh, things are in the church, like for green during Pentecost or whatever. That's adiaphora. So, but what it really means in whenever you hear t- t- talked about, it really means don't you dare tell me that what I'm doing is wrong. You see, I I don't know about that because it seems like I was reading um, in the form of the Concord. It talks about something about when uh, you know th- this is a, a matter of someone's faith, uh, like a stumbling block, someone's faith, and it no longer is adiaphora. Yes. Does that, does that sound right? That's also true. And it's also true that even if things are adiaphora and someone is commanding you to do it or saying that it has something to do with our righteousness uh, before Christ, then it is no longer adiaphora. So, for example, ooh, for example, 
circumcision is in the New Testament adiaphra. So, uh, so, uh, so Timothy, right? Is this right? Timothy is circumcised. Paul has Timothy circumcised. His dad wasn't Jewish, etc. His grandma was, maybe his mom was, but his dad, he wasn't circumcised. And so Paul, because he's going to be going to the synagogue and stuff, he has Timothy circumcised. But then they came along and said, oh, no, you have to be circumcised to be a Christian. So then Titus is not circumcised. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul throws a big thing about this because he says, look, circumcision is a free matter. But as soon as you take something that's free and have, say it has something to do with salvation, it is no longer free. Mm-hmm. So as soon as the Catholic Church, for example, says you got to do this or that. Then that this or that which was free to do by men of goodwill is no longer free, and in fact that we must not do it. And and furthermore, the the way that Paul talks about these things that we have uh, by our Christian freedom are not used to do whatever we want. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, call your uh, bluff on the uh, definition here, because what Paul says about our Christian freedom is that we use this Christian freedom we have. For the sake of the neighbor. <laughs> oh, brother. So now I need these, th- these things that uh, I have free, uh, freedom in Christ for. I, I do them not because whatever makes me feel good or whatever I want to do, but what is going to be for the good of my neighbor, um, specifically helping my neighbor see Christ. Uh, that's, that's the goal. Well, if you want to get your definitions from the Bible... Okay. I'll go ahead and keep getting mine from conventions. <laughs> <laughs> My theological buzz phrase for you is growth in doctrine. Oh, that's nice. This is kind of like when you have a growth on your big toe like you do, Pastor Wolfmuller. <laughs> and uh, if, if, it goes, if it goes untreated, you just, like, it just keeps going bigger and bigger and bigger. And uh, those who have a view of uh, a growth in doctrine says that doctrine does not just... Uh, stay <laughs> or <laughs> remain the same as it would if you, it was drawn from the Holy Scriptures. You know, if you if you draw your doctrine from the Holy Scriptures and from the Scriptures alone, um, because the Scriptures don't change over the night, it's not like, you know, the um, toy story where the, they come around, you know, wakes up when you're not there and changes the words or something like that. Um, because that doesn't happen, then your doctrine will remain the same um, forever. But if uh, you have this idea of growth in doctrine, it's the belief that God continues to reveal and develop new doctrines in the church. Um, so th- I mean, one of the prime examples is the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, more doctrines have developed and crept up through councils and popes um, over many years. Another great example of this is the, is the Mormon Church. You've got the, uh, the prophet who's, who's uh, revealing things, or uh, Jehovah's Witnesses who have the Watchtower Society and, and things like this. Um, yes. Christians, though, stand, uh, stand on the doctrine that's revealed in Holy Scripture, and so that will remain the same. It does not change. So um, I think this is the, the misunderstanding that happened, um, and, and it is happening in our church, when someone says, uh, this is not your grandfather's church. Well, one person is talking about is, is you know, some of the service-level things have changed. You know, you have um, maybe a different hymnal, or you have, uh, um, you know, a different way to... Uh, use technology or things like this. Well, another another side is saying, wait a minute, um, our doctrine hasn't changed from my grandpa or, or his grandpa. The doctrine remains the same. So the church remains the same. Um, there may be different applications to preach that word. Nice. All right. I'll submit. Okay. That's a good definition. Let's go to the emails. Oh, yeah. I got one here. Don't worry. Close face. This says... My husband and I recently... No, I... Facebook, are you kidding? I'm way beyond Facebook, man. I got like 17 followers on Twitter. Oh, okay. My husband and I... This is from Marie. 
Hi, Marie. Hi, Marie. My husband and I recently found your show. Thanks. We're seeker sensitive over here. Our five and seven year old loved when you uh, <laughs> loved it. If you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. After we listened to the podcast on a road trip, they proceeded to serenade us with a song from Iowa to Montana. <laughs> you remember how that song goes? If you, you like it, sing then you it better put the best construction on it. I'm not sure that fits. If you like it, then you better put the best construction on it. Marie continues. If you've seen the Disney movie Brave, you may be able to use the storyline in your Ten Commandment game. Here it is from Wikipedia. Ready? Brave is a 2012 American computer animated fantasy film produced by Pixar Animation Studios. In the film, in set in the Scottish Highlands, a skilled archer named Merida defies an age-old custom causing chaos in the kingdom by expressing the desire not to marry. After consulting a witch for help, Merida accidentally transforms her mother into a bear and is forced to undo the spell herself before it is too late. Brave premiered on June 10th. Seattle International Film Festival was released to box office success, etc. All right, Ten Commandments in the movie story plot. I kind of zoned out there a little bit. Why don't you go? <laughs> Turn off the Twitter. No, what are you doing now? Do you have an f- actual friend there that you're talking to? <laughs> archaic. Okay. Archaic. Uh, let's Friendship see. is so archaic. <laughs> Fourth commandment, uh, defying the mother. Uh, second commandment, consulting a witch. Mm, sixth commandment has to do with marriage, although this is she doesn't want an arranged marriage, uh, and I don't blame her. The three guys are not that appealing necessarily. There's a war that almost breaks out because of the marriage thing. That's fifth commandment, uh, and changing your mother into a bear. I don't think it's actually against the commandments because it's not a real thing. Um, that could be a fourth commandment thing. <laughs> if, it was a, if it was a thing, it would probably be a Fourth Commandment thing. You think, don't think it's, it's against the Fourth thing. Commandment to change your mother into a bear? No, I don't I don't think it's possible to change your mother into a bear. Well, of course it's against the Fourth Commandment. <laughs> <laughs> that's, like, yeah, that, that's like cooking eggs on Mars is completely against some commandment. <laughs> what? Well, it's wait. not a real thing. What's it's wrong like with killing? What commandment wait, wait, is killing what's wrong a with unicorn? Eggs on Mars. Why would that be? A <laughs> what's wrong with killing unicorns? <laughs> what's wrong with talking a t- talking a teaching a dragon how to use swear words? <laughs> well, so, you don't want the dragon to be cussing. What's wrong with you? All right. <laughs> I, uh, this is ridiculous. Pastor Wolfmuller favors sin. <laughs> That's coming out in Christian Lobbies news for next turning week. mothers into bears. <laughs> okay. Uh, After this break, we're going to be joined oh by man. Pastor Jonathan Fisk. And, oh, yeah. Uh, Bring it on, Fisk. Ask a Ninja Pastor. If you have an email you want us to read on the show, you can send it to questions at tabletalkradio.org, or you can send us a uh, voicemail. Um, by calling 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. And uh, we'll uh, play your voicemail on the air and respond to it in a timely fashion. We'll be right back on Table Talk Radio to play Ask a Ninja Pastor with Pastor John Price. If you want to ride, ride. If you want to go on the road, Hi, this is Dan Engel, host of Time Out. 
when I want to find out the latest in theologically bad bumper stickers, I turn to Table Talk Radio. I'm a ninja, and I'm gonna get ya, where the sun don't hit ya, and you'll never see it coming, even if you're on the run, there's nobody in this world that can protect ya, you can't match my speed, nobody's as fast as me, I creep in like a gentle breeze, next minute you're on your knees, what, what, don't reach for the stars, you mean stars wonderful, you. when I sneeze I say, surprise welcome to this uh, segment of Table Talk Radio, we have uh, on the line, Pastor Jonathan Fisk, is the associate pastor at Bethany Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois, and as well as the host of the world-famous Worldview Everlasting, which I think we have this, the formula, don't we, Pastor? We're familiar that if you take the Table Talk Radio number of listeners and multiply that by a billion, you get the number of uh, Worldview Everlasting <laughs> viewers. Uh, yeah, that's exponential. Right. The exponent yeah. is to the billionth power. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think that's how it works. Uh, a so. billion times zero is still zero. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, we're hoping we have at least I've been looking forward to this for ages. I don't know, like 30 years. This Ever since a- we started playing Ask a Ninja Pastor, going head-to-head head with the Ninja Pastor, Jonathan Fisk. I think this is the reason Ask Table Talk Radio was invented, was for this right. moment right here. Just for this moment. <laughs> oh, it was great to have that glorious bump in, too. That was, it just highlights the importance of this. Man, was, was that music, or was that like a car running on, you know, a ninja, <laughs> with, you know milk or something? I, Can't see me. I'm a ninja. I'm surprised you even heard that, because it was the ninja rapping. Right, exactly. <laughs> it was twice as fast as you heard it <laughs> and twice as good so the way uh, ask a ninja pastor works is we got a lineup of theological questions and the ninja pastor has five minutes to answer as many as possible and uh, then we, we throw it at the other ninja pastor to see uh, how many uh, each pastor gets now uh, we have the system too if in case the the ninja chooses to dodge uh, a question uh, he can do so one time without being penalized but then the second time he loses a point and the third time loses two points, and so on and so forth. So is this like a video game where, like, you have like your action power, and then like the bar like gets empty, and you can't refill it unless you like find the right thing? Yeah, ninjas like I that. know, like they don't like once they dodge, they just get faster. And <laughs> well, right? the ninjas you'll, I know. You'll see. Hey, let me see. Is that true for you guys over here? Yeah, the ninjas that are hanging out with me said that that's. A, that's <laughs> <laughs> so, no, we'll see how all the dodging works at the next segment when Pastor Wolf Miller. Uh, <laughs> Steps up to the plate, so. <laughs> oh yeah. Okay, so we have five minutes, and I just I don't have a an audible uh, time or anything here. I just have a, a visual thing in front of me, so I'll tell you when our time is up. Um, but I can do thirty seconds if you want. Okay, yeah, give him a thirty second warning. One minute warning. Sure. So. Forty. I'll give you four minutes and fifty-two seconds warning. And <laughs> right, don't, don't worry. I'll keep. I'll keep. I'll keep you up to date in, in five-second increments, all the way down to five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's ridiculous. Uh, Pastor Fisk, are you ready? Oh, I think so. I all was right. born ready. Let's play a little Ask a Ninja Pastor. I'll start the timer after I get done reading the first question. Sweet. What is the nature of the ministry of the church? The ministry of the church is to preach the word of God unto the salvation of man through faith. What, then, is the office of ministers of the church? It is the office of the preacher of that word. Is it right to ordain and admit to the ministry of the church those who have been called without pro- appropriate and solemn examination, as generally done by the papal suffragans? 
No. <laughs> what then are the chief parts regarding which either one who is to be ordained or one who is already a pastor of the church to be examined? Ask the question again. Uh, the chief parts in what regarding one is to be examined. Oh, the six chief parts of the catechism. Okay. May one seek or may seek or undertake the ministry of the church who has neither learned the fundamental Christian doctrine nor understand it, who has the gift to teach others? No. <laughs> I'm going to amend my previous question to expand from the small catechism as the short version of the Book of Concord. Okay. All right. Good. Wait to go back and get that point. Mm-hmm. Should one who is... These are all yes or no questions. Yeah. Get what the <laughs> um, uh, are they to be heard who can be uh, profitably heard by the church who have no proof of a legitimate call? No. But Paul says in 1 Timothy 3.1, he that deserves the office of bishop desires a good work. Is it therefore necessary for one to wait until he is called? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> for what reasons is it very important that a minister of the church have a legitimate call? So that the church can know that he's actually been sent by God. Okay. What doctrine then... Uh, or which word ought a minister set before the church of God? Uh, law and gospel. Uh, what is that word of God? Uh, that man should repent of his sins and look to Jesus Christ as the answer, a free gift of salvation. Can a man by his own knowledge or by the perception of his own reason obtain that knowledge for himself? With the exception of Brian Wolfmuller, no. <laughs> <laughs> Can anyone, as some think, be saved in his religion and faith without the word of God? Uh, but having formed a good intention. Absolutely not. Where is that word of God to uh, to be looked for and whence it is to be sought in uh, our new and special inspirations and revelations to be experienced? Uh, no, to the second part is to be looked for in the word of Jesus, which is the Old and New Testament that is preached in the church. Why do all the ancient uh, ancients call Holy Scripture canonical? Because it is. <laughs> <laughs> if uh, religion and faith are to be a judge on the basis of antiquity, why then do we depart from the papistic uh, religion, faith, and church, which can defend themselves by the pretext of many years? Uh, because they claim authority over the scriptures. But the question is not about scripture, for the biblical scriptures are received by both sides, but the point in controversy is this. What is the true ancient and Catholic sense of the Holy Scriptures? Is this the whole controversy? How can a common person and a layman decide? Uh, through faith in the creed. Are people to be exhorted to, hear, to read, hear, and meditate on that word, both written and oral, as it is commonly called? Are people to be? Yes. Okay. Um, how, are the, how are the biblical books divided? <laughs> Very carefully. <laughs> Old and New Testament, uh, epistles, gospels, prophets, Torah. There's more. What Next does question. God require of ministers of the church, and how does he want them to dispense his mysteries? Does God require what of ministers of the church? I missed the question. Uh, One minute. What does God require of ministers of the church, and how does he want them to dispense his mysteries? Uh, faithfulness to his ministry of word and sacrament and through the word and sacrament. What things are required to render that faithfulness? Faith? Mm-hmm. I don't even know if I'd even say that. Uh, that would be uh, 
faithfulness to that word and sacrament, that is, uh, consistency with what he has actually spoken. Is there only one person in the divine essence? <laughs> which testimonies prove that there are three persons of the Godhead? Which testimony is true? Which testimonies prove that there are three persons of the of the Godhead? Uh, the Ten seconds. Testimony of Scripture. Okay. Uh, I mean, I can get more narrow. Uh, <laughs> baptism, Matthew twenty-eight. Baptism of Jesus, Matthew 28. Uh, <laughs> okay, very good. I need to take the break to, to count all these up. I didn't know you were going to go through a whole book. Of, I counted them all. Of Kimnitz. I was, was counting. Walter? Kimnitz. Was, was Kimnitz. Kimnitz, Word, Ministry, and Sacrament, right? Right, 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 right. 10, 20. Is, is that the Enchiridion then? Yes, yeah. it is. Yeah. Yeah, wow. That's good stuff. I have, uh, I have 19, maybe 20, depending on how the... <laughs> canonical books, if you're going to accept that as an answer. And man, I hope I get a yes or no question. <laughs> that was a great answer. That was an awesome answer. Let's How are the it. books of the Bible divided? Very carefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> that's pretty good. I'm going to take the canonical question, sure. Yeah. That's what good. was it? Well, I can't remember that. It was, um, why it are was the like, books... Why, why are they canonical? And I think because I they are. Hard. Why, why do the ancients call the Holy Scriptures canonical? This is what yeah, Kimnitz says. I mean, I couldn't tell what the intent of the question was. Is it looking for um, the meaning of the word canon, or is it looking for why they are in the canon? There's really two different questions, I think. Um, so that's why I was a little... I didn't know how to answer that. Well, this is how Kimnitz answers that question. He says, Because there is and ought to be in the Church a definite canon and a single norm or rule according to which all religion and doctrine ought to be examined, tested, and judged. Right, so so because it was looking for the, the meaning of the word canon, what does it mean to have something be canon? Is that it's a norm? Right, right. As opposed to how it got to be canon, which is that it was from the hands of the apostles as testified to by the early church. So. Well, I think he just earned his yeah. point right there if he didn't before. Yeah, so. that's right. All right, so yeah. so twenty points is is uh, is the is what he got there, Pastor Wolf Miller. Is that correct? Well, nineteen and a half. I'm, uh, depending <laughs> on how many I get, it's going to determine if I'm going to uh, give that. Oh, I see how it works. Right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Okay. When I get like seven, he can have 20. <laughs> <laughs> All right. When we come back from this break, we're going to be uh, playing again, Ask a Ninja Pastor with Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, and he'll get some uh, other questions from this Inchiridion on uh, Ministry, Word, and Sacraments by Martin Kimnitz. And uh, if you have any questions or comments for us, you can give us a call, 1-800-385-SOLA, 1-800-385-7652. Or you can always email us, questions at tabletalkradio.org. Here come your ninjas, pastors. Watch out. Uh, they're, they're coming at you right now. That's right, you're living in a world full of ninjas, but I'll give you one little fun fact. Fun fact, even though we have to kill you, sorry, we still love to laugh. <laughs> so we won't kill you now, instead we'll watch you run in fear. in fear. While we sit back and laugh at you over a nice tall glass of beer. Cheers! This is Chris Rosebro, captain of Pirate Christian Radio, and Table Talk Radio is PCR's top radio program right after... Issues, etc., Fighting for the Faith, Sermons from Holy Trinity, The God Whispers, The Gift, Radical Grace, SoCo, Higher Things, The Feast, Dying to Live, Living Water, Words of Hope, Internet Monk, and reruns of The White Horse Inn.
Nineteen and a half is the point for uh, point value <laughs> for right. Pastor Wolfmiller to beat. Uh, don't know if he can do it here. Um, I look forward to answering your question soon. <laughs> <laughs> That's my little head tip to ask a ninja. <laughs> One of the funniest things on the internet is ask a ninja still answering questions. Sure. I don't know. I don't know if they're doing a lot of new stuff anymore. I haven't checked. Man. So it was weird. I figured out that my high stuff. school students don't think it's funny. I'm like, what's wrong with you guys? This is ask a, they don't like Ask a Ninja? Yeah, oh, they man. thought it was like weird. I'm like, oh, it's so funny. You're crazy. <laughs> but, anyway. I don't, what does That's he rough. say? How does, uh, what is the funniest thing I ever heard? He says, um, Oh, I'll think of it in a minute. You better introduce this segment, and then I'll think of the joke. Ooh, uh, the segment funny? we're playing Ask a Ninja Pass with Pastor Wolf Miller. Uh, that wasn't enough time. Something about your sword. <laughs> oh, yeah, this well, is what watch, it is. If you've never watched it, go watch Google Ask a Ninja Ninja Poetry. It's one of the funniest episodes ever. His review of uh, Pirates of the Caribbean 2 is pretty funny, too, if you found that movie somewhat lacking. He says this, how does a ninja get their sword? He says, to really get your sword, you got to spend time with it. You can't just call it up at 10 at night and say, want to go on a date? <laughs> like send it a text, say, what are you doing now? To really get your sword. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. That is funny. All right, let's, I don't care who I you are. I think you're stalling because you don't. I'm you don't ready, wanna, man. Okay. No, I'm ready. Give me, give me. You got, you got 21 questions there. Just make sure you got enough. I don't think I'll need that many. Here, here we go. <laughs> I'll start the timer after I get entering the first question. And the first question is, who is God the Father? God the Father is the first person of the Trinity, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, and the source along with the Son of the Holy Spirit. Who are the persons of the Godhead, or sorry, how are the persons of the Godhead distinguished from each other? The Father uh, is neither begotten nor proceeding. The Son is begotten of the Father, and the Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father and the Son. What is the function of each person? Well, all the works of the Trinity, of the Godhead, uh, to the outside are one, uh, Oprah ad extra, unist sunt, you know that whole business? But we talk about in the catechism especially, we distinguish the works of the Father and creation, the Son and redemption, and the Holy Spirit and sanctification. What benefits has each person conferred on us, and how does he, or sorry, and does he still confer? Well, according to creation, the Father is our creator. According to his death and resurrection, the Son, uh, our Lord Jesus, is our redeemer. And according to the ministry of the Word, the Holy Spirit is the sanctifier, the one who forgives us, and makes us holy, or in what, declares us holy. Sorry. That's all right. In what sense does Scripture use the word repentance? Repentance consists of two parts. First is contrition, sorrow over sin, produced by the Holy Spirit through the law, and the second is faith in the gospel, produced by the Holy Spirit through the preaching of the gospel. Whence, then, is the doctrine of repentance to be taken? Uh, from the Scriptures, which tell us that we should repent all the time. Uh, what <laughs> What is that which is in general called the divine law? Uh, the Ten Commandments or the Decalogue, the holiness of God which is required of all people. Are Christians to be compelled according to the laws of the Old Testament to be circumcised, bring sacrifice, observe the Sabbath, and obtain uh, eat, uh, abstain from eating swine flesh? <laughs> no. <laughs> Those are part of the ceremonial law that pointed to Christ and ended with the death and resurrection of Jesus. Uh, show this with firm proofs from the scriptures. <laughs> Paul says, let no one judge you uh, by Sabbaths or new moons, etc. He speaks of, if you seek to be made righteous by uh, circumcision, you've fallen from grace, etc. Hey, there... didn't mention swine flesh. Didn't mention swine flesh. 
Uh, all foods are declared place. clean by uh, uh, <laughs> says Paul or says uh, Peter when the uh, when the uh, says God to Peter when the curtain shows him pigs and deer to eat. Ought there then to be no ceremonies whatever in the church of the New Testament? No, the ceremonies of the New Testament are baptism and the Lord's Supper. Are all papistic ceremonies without distinction to be either rejected or accepted and observed? No, we do make distinction, and that is, is it helpful for the preaching of the gospel? What if those indifferent ceremonies are imposed and required on the basis of neither necessity or worship or righteousness? Yeah, this is the adiaphoric controversy. So if something is required by a man which is not required by God, it is to be rejected. Are the forensic or judicial and political laws of Moses likewise abrogated? No, that's part of the civil law of the Old Testament and belongs to the nation of Israel, uh, which also ended in AD 70 at the destruction of the temple in Jerusalem. Do they then want this, that among Christians there ought to be no authority, no political government or courts? No, no. Uh, We live according to the laws of the state in which we find ourselves, according to the fourth commandment, which has us submitting to all authority. When the doctrine of the law is set before the church in the New Testament, what is meant by law? Uh, the moral law, which, first of all, uh, curbs society, but secondly and most importantly shows us our sin, and thirdly also gives shape to the Christian life as we love our neighbor. What is the teaching of the Decalogue, or what is the Decalogue? The Decalogue is the Ten Commandments, uh, the summary of the moral law given by God to Moses on Mount Sinai. Is the Decalogue to be taught in the Church of the New Testament? Indeed. Uh, but Christ commands to preach not the law, but the gospel. Yes, the gospel is the forgiveness of sins, but there has to be sin exposed before it's forgiven. Is the law to be taught for this purpose, that men are justified and saved by it? Indeed not, for by the law no flesh shall be justified. Quick, ask another question! <laughs> what, what is or what do you call sin? Wait, what is that? What is or what do you call sin? Uh, sin is any breaking of God's law, uh, either the first table where we sin against God or the second table where we sin against love for our neighbor. How manifold is sin? Very. <laughs> <laughs> what is original sin? Uh, that was a sin that nobody ever thought of before. <laughs> <laughs> original sin is the sin of Adam and Eve in the garden where they disobeyed God's word and they plunged the entirety of creation into sin and disobedience to God uh, so that everyone who is born from Adam is born uh, with a corruption of their nature, which did, is original sin. Did God from the beginning make the nature of man thus corrupt? No, it <clears throat> happened after the fall. <laughs> Okay. Ooh, baby! Uh, I need a second to count them up unless you have a tally there. I have a he tally. Was correct. 30. <laughs> what? Well, maybe not that many. <laughs> 23, baby. Oh, all right, now we did, need to send your answers through Doctrine Review. Uh, anything from the phone line there, Pastor Fist, that you want to take issue with? Uh, I think there was one answer where he meant to say yes, but he said no before he answered. He answered correctly, but he let off with the negative rather than the positive. I agree. I could be wrong about that. Yeah. No, what was I that? Think I think he about five points for that. Um, <laughs> otherwise, he did great. Five points. No, I'll <laughs> <and> a half points. <laughs> I was impressed. Aside from the fact that his questions made sense and mine didn't, it was uh, pretty awesome. <laughs> See, what did I tell you? <laughs> before Aside we, from that. Before we went on the air, I said, so we're going to do the same questions or different questions? And I said, if we have different questions, someone's going to say, my questions were harder, my questions were as good. He wanted to put I us in a, in a Evan, soundproof box. I literally box. could not understand half of your questions for me. I was like, wait a minute, what, the palpable, huh, what? And like, 
<laughs> and Brian's getting, what is the law? <laughs> tough one, Brian. Tough one. Did you get it? I, I was, <laughs> is that why you I were giving like, one-word like answers? I going deep. I loved it when he went deep on repentance, though, and gave the two parts, uh, you know, answer right out of the Book of Concord. That was pretty sweet. I got to give you props on that. Yeah, this is. I want this to be on my gravestone, by the way. Here lies <laughs> Pastor Brian Wolfmuller, who always taught repentance consists of two parts: contrition and faith. <laughs> Just right no, there on the gravestone, everyone will walk by and say, "Huh, wonder what he taught." <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, anything else, Pastor Wolfman, you want to discuss from that, the last list of no, questions? No, I didn't make any notes. Um, what, what, oh, how does Kimnitz answer the thing, what are the different things that come from the different persons of the Trinity? Uh, he answers it this way. Answers and statements on these questions should be sought from the teaching of the Catechism and the commonplaces of the um, examination of Dr. Philip Melanchthon. Oh, he doesn't even answer. He no, just says, helpful. "Go look at the Losi." He, he's got about he's got about fifteen questions like that, where he just puts them out in a list and then says, "Hey, go look these up somewhere else." <laughs> Either he did that, or the person translating did that because they didn't want to translate all Maybe the answers so. that he Maybe gave. Maybe so. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I mean, I, so it's a tricky sort of question. Like, what are we to look at from look for from the different persons of the Trinity? Because, like we say that. Uh, everything that God does, he does together for us. I mean, the, the exception being, it is only Jesus who is incarnate, who is crucified, uh, right. who is raised. So all the right. things that have to do with the crucifixion, resurrection, ascension of Jesus are unique to Jesus. And yet even, for example, the resurrection is all three persons. The Father gives the Son the resurrection. The Son takes up the gift of the resurrection. The Holy Spirit is the one who raises Jesus. So, so all the works that the Lord does for us are... Are one, so it's really just a teaching convention that we connect creation to the Father, because of course right. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit all created the world, etc. Right, right. That's good. Um, well, you answered it well, though, by by pointing out that and connecting it to that, because it is the way the Catechism and the Creed handle their their differences. Right. So, why do we even call them different persons? Because there there is something in each of them which is not in the others. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. by by seeing their kind of special handiwork in the distinctions of creation, redemption, and sanctification. Uh, it is a way of helping us limited creatures who cannot, by any means, comprehend God, period. Right. And, and, and in which then this Trinitarian idea is God condescending to teach us what we cannot understand. Uh, these distinctions of their works, even though they all are involved in all of them, uh, is helpful for us to kind of give a faith to each of these persons. No, very well good. Done. Well, yeah. There is this thing. How much time do we have? I mean, because there, ten seconds. There is this thing too, where we say the Holy Spirit sanctifies us. We don't want to say He makes us holy, but rather declares us holy. Because this idea of right. being made holy can bring with it a lot of error. Maybe a little bit more about that on the other side of the break. So, all right, um, Pastor Fisk, how can people find uh, Worldview Everlasting? YouTube, uh, just search uh, Worldview Everlasting. Go to worldvieweverlasting.com. Also, Facebook.com slash Worldview Everlasting. Pretty much the Internet works. Google, you know, learn to use it. All right. Pastor Jonathan Fist, <laughs> Associate Pastor of Bethany Lutheran Church in Naperville, Illinois, and host of Worldview Everlasting. Thanks for joining us on Table Talk Radio. Hey, and thanks victim. for having me. Of Ask a Ninja Pastor. <laughs> we'll be right back. One more segment of Table Talk Radio. You're listening to Table Talk Radio. Because cable's expensive. 
Welcome back to the last seg- segment of These Table are Soccer. the best day of our oh, lives. My goodness. That was horrid. Uh, <laughs> you, you, I just I can't you believe you bumped out before the music. Oh, I'm just I don't oh. want people to be That was awful. These are the best days oh, of our So you don't see the church be in the church in choir. In the band, huh? you know the band uh any band, I guess, really. I was going to be in the band, and I was going to be the guy that stands in the background and either does this, ooh, ooh, ah, or the guy that just yells, ah. I could do that, man. Sure you could. Yeah, of course you oh, could. Oh, yeah, I could. So when we left the break just a second ago, we uh, were talking about uh, sanctification. And, ooh, um, man, the, do you think Fisk role. is ever going to come back again, by the way? I don't know. He didn't sound too happy about my questions. Ooh, <laughs> man. Yeah, we're going to have him on Out for Ninja Bible Bee, and we're going to see Fisk whoop you in Bible Bee. I think... No, you should probably is, start I... reading the Bible now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> then I get a verse from the Apocrypha or something. Oh, I did that I once. Think... Or a verse from Esther, for heaven's sakes. Who can ever identify a verse from Esther? <laughs> it's impossible. I know. Maybe you should just read anyway, Esther. Sanctification. That has the word in there that is Latin, which is sanct, which has to do with holiness. Now, we said we need to be careful about... The idea of being made holy versus the idea of being declared holy. And the whole idea of sanctification is a big one. But here, So here's the idea with holiness. And that is, holiness is not chiefly a moral quality. And I'll prove it. In the Bible, there are things like holy hills. And how can one hill say, man, that hill was really much more obedient to its mother than the other hill or whatever, you know? I mean, hills don't have moral quality, nor do buildings, cities, Mm. forks and spoons, things like that. So when the Lord calls Jerusalem the holy city or the temple the holy house or the holy of holies, the holy of holies, it doesn't have anything to do with moral quality or obedience to the Ten Commandments. Rather, it has to do with belonging to God. So this is what holy means, to be set apart, to belong to the Lord, namely to have the Lord's name on it. So I think the best way to think about sanctification or being holy is that the Lord puts his name on us. Remember how we used to do with the cows when we'd go out and uh, brand them? Yeah. I mean, not you and me, but people. (laughs) Other people. (laughs) By we, I mean not me. (laughs) You know? Right. It's It's the cowboy we. Remember how we used to go brand cows? TTR, we'd put on the back on the rump of the cow, and then that cow belongs to Table Talk Radio. See, this is how it is to be to be holy, it means the Lord puts his name on us. You know, right. whack. That's so, all. so this helps us understand that, you know, when, when um, uh, other church bodies and other theological thought systems talk about sanctification as sort of this moral progress, um, it, it, it lends itself to this, this, uh, this process you were talking about before the break, that uh, I, I am becoming more holy because I am... Uh, hearing a sermon on Sunday talking about, uh, you know, taking your uh, sinful thoughts captive or something like that, you know, or, or you know, uh, mm-hmm. sanctifying your anger problem or whatever. So, so they say that uh, this is the, the <laughs> this is just the <laughs> generic, whatever. your anger yeah. problem, you know. Your, yeah. <laughs> yeah, not a we. 
You know when we get angry? Oh, wait, and by that I mean the cowboys? Yeah, right, cowboy we. Yeah. Uh, anyway, cowboy. So they, they would see sanctification <laughs> as kind of this behavioral improvement, behavior modification. Yeah. Yeah, um, but That's but right. if if we could define holiness as something else, like what what you just said, that we're being set apart, this is going to have to completely rely upon something outside of us to set us apart. You can't set yourself apart from oh, something, man. right? And look at how much we hate that. We always want it. You know, we're always stuffing it on the inside. We want it. No, no, it's out. It's extra nose. That means on your nose or outside of us, one or the other. In Latin, extra nose. That's what it all is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good. Yeah. Hey, thanks. What else? Oh, we got some bumper stickers here. First, we got a bumper sticker, I mean, uh, some email. We got an email from Thomas Lee. Hey, Thomas, thanks for the email. Uh, we got to meet uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, Thomas and I. Uh, and it's a picture of a car, and it's too small to read the bumper sticker. So, Thomas, if you could resend that, that would be great. <laughs> Next email. Thanks for bringing that up. <laughs> it's a nice land cruiser, though. Uh, this question is from Andrew. I've noticed you frequently focus on the word surrender as it talks to loss of self when crunching praise songs. I have an alternative interpretation that I would like to hear your view on. Ready? Yeah. Rather than being a loss of self, shouldn't we consider true surrender a conscious decision? Unlike being conquered in which force is used to usurp control, surrender is a process in which one weighs the cost of fighting a foreign entity versus obedience towards it. We have not been conquered or forced into obedience to God's will, as the Calvinist might believe, but rather, we have seen God's mercies and chosen to yield to his will by surrendering our sinful desires. Does it make sense that, depending on context, surrender might be used to reference crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires, or putting to death our earthly nature, as in Galatians 5, Colossians 3, Romans 8? Rather than these changes being forces upon us as if we had no free will, we have chosen them in response to the grace we have been shown, freely surrendering their place in our lives so that they do not interfere with our other blessings. I look forward to your thoughts, Andrew. Thanks for the question, Andrew. Thanks, Andrew. Um, so I'm, I'll, I'll take a stab at this first, and you can maybe follow yes. me. Uh, I think the, the problem that this uh, lends itself to is um, putting the... Uh, action upon one's will in this process, so, um, so that uh, the love of God sort of just kind of um, overcomes a person's will. So then he wants to uh, what, what choose the the grace of God. Is this is this? Do you think that's what Andrew's saying, or am I mis- misunderstanding? I think so, yeah. yeah. In other words, uh, so we do have this. Uh, walking according to the Spirit and not gratifying the desires of the sinful nature. I mean, we have that kind of language in the Scripture. And Andrew's saying, couldn't that be what we're talking about when we, and by we, I mean the old Baptist cowboy preachers, <laughs> say, surrender. Yeah. <laughs> we will never mean we again. <laughs> I'm trying so, to, I'm trying yeah, to process this. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, there's some danger here in putting ourselves... So it's true that our Christian life is a fight. we got two wills, and they're duking it out with one another. Uh, we got the will of the Spirit, which loves the law, hates sin, etc. Then you got the will of the flesh, that loves sin, hates Jesus. But the will of the flesh, see, the will of the flesh in a weird way likes the law. So the the will of the Spirit takes the law and uses it against the the law-loving flesh to destroy it. And that's called 
contrition, the first part of repentance. Remember that from mm-hmm. that game we played just then? Uh-huh. And this is the sorrow over sin, etc. Now, if you want to call that surrender, it could be, you could, I, I guess, say, I am forcing my flesh to surrender to the Spirit. But that's not what we're, suppo- we're supposed to be crucifying the flesh, not surrendering it. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, maybe what we could be saying by surrender is, hey, the will that I want to live according to is not the flesh will, but the law will. And if that's, I mean, wait, spirit will. What? I'm confusing myself. Yeah, I mean, The so, will that we want to live according to is the will of the spirit, not the will of the flesh. And if that's what we mean by surrender, I guess that's all right. Yeah, because the, the, the will of the spirit has nothing to surrender, right? Yeah, that's right. I mean, there, yeah, because... But see, but I, I still don't think it's helpful. I mean, the, the language of surrender is just... It's bringing with it a lot of mystical baggage. I mean, the word surrender has a little gypsy in its back pocket. <laughs> if that helps, if that helps explain the problem. Oh, yeah. Clear as... Yeah. I'm sure oh, it yeah. does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Right. Uh, another one? We've got about yeah. here's, a minute and a half. Here's an email from Susan. It says, making an errand in Grand Blanc. I wonder if that's in France. I couldn't help but notice a church sign at Faith. It said... Voted the best in GB view. Come see why. <laughs> and this is a former member of Faith Grand Blanc uh, who saw that. So here's a church sign. It says, voted the best in the city. Come see why. Huh. Um, what do you think about that idea? I wonder if it's true. They voted the best? Yeah, I wonder how big the poll was. I mean, it would seem a little deceiving if, you, it, if, if they just said that. And then there, wasn't, if, there wasn't really an actual you, you election could, or something. What if you get to your church sign and it says, Our pastor has a 98% approval rating. <laughs> <laughs> we know that's not true. That would be, uh, <laughs> that'd be a church I'd want to avoid. Uh, <laughs> Here's a, one, one last one. You want another one from yeah, Joe? Yeah. This is not a church sign, but a chur- slogan next to a church sign. Korean Presbyterian Church. The slogan is, We dream, God works. We dream, God works. Um, okay, so is this saying that, um, you know, the things that we would aspire to do are outside of our ability, but God can do anything, so he'll do these things? Man, if you like it, then you better put the <laughs> construction on. <laughs> well, okay, so we could play that game. That's the best. What's the worst construction? The, I don't know. The worst construction is we cook up a bunch of crazy things, and then God comes and does whatever we want him to do. Oh, Okay. We dream. Oh, yeah. So, so insert dream here, and then God, God does it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Just come dream with us. You know? <laughs> like the prophet Jeremiah says, woe to the prophets who say, I have a dream. <laughs> <laughs> Good enough. All right. Well, that's going to be all, right. all the time we have uh, for this edition of Table Talk Radio. But don't worry, Pastor Fisk. We'll have you on again and play some Bible Bee. And I'm sure you'll wallop Wolf Miller then. But uh, thanks for listening to this edition of Table Talk Radio. Where the points are like, that's ninja points, you see, you couldn't hear them. (laughs) You've been listening to Table Talk Radio. The views expressed (laughs) on this show are that of the hosts and do not reflect the views or opinions of this station. We would like your feedback on today's show. Call us toll free, 1-800-385-SOLA. That's 1-800-385-SOLA. Or send us an email, questions at tabletalkradio.org. You can listen again to this show or any of our past shows on our website, tabletalkradio.org. Thanks for listening and tune in again next time to Table Talk Radio.